We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cosmic being. We found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a cover as a man. We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world that he didn't cut with violence, and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. <sighs> Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Hi, listeners. And welcome to Coffee and Cults, where once a month we meet and discuss cults and fringe religious groups from around the world. Please be aware this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners as it can contain strong language. And this episode, more than most others, will contain graphic descriptions of murder, of suicide, of child abuse, of a lot of horrid things. It's going to get dark because this listeners is Jonestown. Part four. The fourth and final Yay. part. It's going to be dark. Join us. Strap in. Let's see if we can give the Ant Hill kids a run for their money. I'm sure we can. Thank you for listening so far. If you're just joining us on this episode, please go back and listen to the previous three episodes, which will put this one in context for you. Please rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please tell your friends if you enjoy us. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Coffee and Cults. If you'd like to support us even more than that, to give us a warm financial hug across <laughs> the oceans and lands that lie between us, you can do that by buying us a one-off cup of coffee on coffee, K-O-F-I dot com, coffee and cults. Or if you'd like to send us a small but regular contribution, you can do that at patreon.com coffee and cults and there's gradually and slowly lots of cool little bits of extra recordings of us including jonestown fans that's not who any of us are <laughs> jonestown interested uh people are one attempt to find a bit of levity after this episode there is a review of the people's temple album yes. and the songs therein up on patreon so if you'd like to check that out please do so we left off in the last episode with the article being released by the New West magazine and Jim deciding that they all must leave the US and go to Guyana tonight. Not tonight, like 40 years ago, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> we do know what you mean. Thanks. So Jonestown had been being built and they planned over a 10-year period to gradually introduce more and more citizens, but now they have to move 600 people in a couple of weeks. And it's extraordinary because there are lots of rumours for a long time that Jim Jones was planning to leave the country, that they've been constantly going, no, we're not going anywhere. Yep. But then they've made this decision to leave. They write letters pre-planned to go to people's families to say, I'm doing this by my own free will. Yep. They put people on separate buses, Sam. You love Yay! a bus. Bus them out to different airports so there aren't too many people going from one airport at any time. Yep. And they go to their new home, the People's Temple Agricultural Project, a.k.a. Jonestown. Expecting, having seen all of this footage, endless bananas. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> they just expect endless bananas. You go for that. Animals, live, you know, peanut butter fudge. Socialist society, fun times. A house each. Each family, I guess, not each yeah. person. They're not unreasonable. Um, <laughs> expecting they're going to go to this amazing utopia. So there are already settlers there, as you probably remember. And a lot of children are there. 
they also send a lot of elderly people there. So we've got around, after everyone's moved, 900 people. A third of them are children. A third of them are elderly or disabled. Astonishing demographic. Absolutely. And so there are 300 able-bodied adults doing all the work for everybody. Which is a lot of work. They're working long, long, long days. And those days are only really broken up with meal breaks. Otherwise, you're straight back out to working. Um, Can I do my first disgusting fact of this episode? Yes, please. So previously, you'll remember in all the videos and the early working parties, they've got bacon, they've got peanut butter, fudge. Mm, You love, you think I go on about buses. That's the like 10th time today you've said peanut butter fudge. I leave that to the listeners to judge the (laughs) ratio between your bus love and my mild interest in peanut butter fudge. All those days of fine dining of a sort while they were working early on, that's over now. Oh, yeah. That's long gone. Effectively, they're left, they're eating rice and gravy, which is like the worst food combination. But is it gravy or is it American gravy? Oh, that weird beigey stuff, even worse. I think it's bread sauce, you know. It's what it looks like to me. Yeah, it probably is there compared to our kind of gravy. It reminds me a bit, when I lived in Exeter, the council put leaflets through the doors, basically saying, are you poor and struggling to eat? Here are some cheap recipes for things you can eat, and then you'll be able to eat, poor people. Uh, There wasn't a very good copywriter (laughs) on that leaflet. And effectively, they were like, here, why not cook some rice and add a stock cube? Ooh. And me and the person and... I was living with at the time, we were spending a lot of time going, oh, what should we eat tonight? Oh, I, d- I don't know, um, Madeline, what should we eat? Uh, let's have some stocky rice. <laughs> mm, what a treat. But not only are they eating that disgusting meal, yes. but they're in the middle of a jungle. It's a hot, humid, swampy place. Oh. And there are insects everywhere falling in the vats of food while it's being prepared falling into their plates and bowls while they're eating it's impossible to pick out so soon they start to take to eating in the dark so that they can't see what they're putting into their faces they're also getting mosquito bites getting worms having diarrhea very quickly, yeah. it's clear this isn't a nice place to live. So that's your first disgusting fact. Mine leads directly on from that. Great. After their diarrhoea, also, all the toilet roll runs out. They haven't made provisions for toilet roll. So oh. it's leaves, it's whatever, it's clothes, whatever they can use to mop up there. No, I don't need to finish that. <laughs> but yeah, no loo roll, no privacy, nothing. So everyone knows everyone else's toilet business. Oh. It's just, I really, there's a strong sort of image in my head of just, you know, being in rainy, hot, miserable jungle in Mm -hmm. your cabin room that, you you know, you were promised a house for your family, but actually you're in with 10 people in bunk beds in a room. It just feels miserable. It's not so miserable, though, Mm -hmm. for one Jim Jones. Oh, no way. Because he has (laughs) his own house, uh, which is... Am I going to get this right? Is it the West House? Yeah. And um, that's a bit more comfortable. Yeah. He's able to live there with his mistresses. And he has nice food. He's got bacon and Mm -hmm. coffee. He also has all the drugs and all the alcohol. (laughs) So he's having a lovely time. In the meantime, he has left Marceline in the US to keep running um, operations there. 
so she's just hearing you know he sends missives back to the u.s of what they should be preaching there promising that one day they will all come but not yet yeah <laughs> it's pretty shit in jonestown to put it very lightly they're allowed two minute showers a day the water is not drinking water so they're having to source bottled water from georgetown yeah they can't drink from yeah also all their post is being mm. checked and censored both coming in and going out by jim's two of jim's closest confidants carolyn layton and maria Kostakis. and pretty much it seems like all the letters coming arriving to at jonestown come in get read they go to jim should we pass this on to sam then and he goes nah yeah. don't bother yeah and at first people are like why are why are we not getting letters and jim goes oh it's the post mm-hmm. so you know post is really bad isn't it oh the blooming post office yeah <laughs> john just did a blustery old man pose that you couldn't see uh, but eventually people get a bit suspicious of that and in the end jim tells them well your friends and family just they're not writing we're not getting any letters yeah they obviously don't love you anymore the money situation is getting worse and worse they can't keep pumping the um members in the u.s for more because they're giving all they can afford to the they start selling the temple buildings they own in the u.s to help provide for Jonestown. They're having nightly meetings in Guyana that last hours and hours. They can last from sundown till sunup, just listening to Jim chunder on and on and on and on. Chunder is the right word. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, through all his madness until four, knowing that at five you've got to get up and eat your rice and gravy and then go and uh, start working as well. But that's not enough for Jim. He's worried that spending that time with him in the evening... It's not enough gym time. No. People might have a moment in their day to think a thought that didn't come from his mind. So, <laughs> he gets a big tannoy system rigged up, speakers all over Jonestown, and when he's not preaching in front of them in person, he is sat in his West House with all his booze and drugs and just constantly speaking to them. Everywhere you are in Jonestown, you can hear the voice of Jim. And it's only him that's allowed to use the system. Yep. He tapes himself all the time so that if at night when he decides he wants to have a break, he can still be playing the tapes mm-hmm. of himself. I mean, that's what's mad about Jonestown, really, is that there's so much blooming archive. Yeah. Because I was just going to say, if you're creepy like we are, you can find it. Jonestown.edu, I believe, yeah. is the really good resource. They have, I believe, all of the publicly released. Yeah tapes and they were taping him on the tannoy they were taping their phone conversations they Mm -hmm. were taping literally everything and that becomes the only information in jonestown about anything there's no tv there's no radio so it seems clear that's a pretty deliberate move on jones's part to just bombard people with his own thinking and now, this seems like it's escalating quickly, but it really did escalate quickly. It, you know, we've just gone from suddenly they're all there and now everyone's having a really shit time. But that's what happened. Bear in mind, he's he's gone out there in mid to late 77. By November 78, you know what happens. We will tell you about it later if you don't. Yeah, it's don't, really <laughs> speeding up. And you yeah. might be thinking, well, why are people at this point not going, I'm going to go home, I'm going to go back? 
they're only hearing the words of Jim Jones. Yeah. He's the only person reporting what's going on back in America. And he tells them over this tannoy system on a regular basis, we've got reports that there have been mass race riots mm -hmm. and race murders yep. back in the United States, that they've brought slavery back. In the, and it's incredible because it is a short time yeah. that they've been Months. there. And he goes, and by the way, while we've been away, they've brought back slavery. Mm -hmm. There have been mass murders. They're building concentration camps. God, sorry, guys, you don't want to go back to the States. Yeah. Because in a matter of months, it has become an out and out, you know, written off fascist yeah. murder scape. And even if they did want to leave, as we mentioned in the last episode, all their passports have been confiscated immediately upon arriving at Port Kaituna. Followers are all encouraged to watch each other for signs of defection or any kind of doubt or disloyalty, in big quote marks, in the same way that the, that the Nazis did, which, as we learned when he was a child, he loved Hitler. Yep, and it's later on his house, it's full of books about Nazis and about yep. psychological manipulation techniques and conspiracy stuff. Not only are people reporting on each other people are reporting to themselves they write letters to jim going dear dad dear father by the way i'm feeling like this by the way i did this here's yeah. another secret about me so he's sat doesn't go out of his house very much unless no. he's um giving a talk in um the pavilion in the evening he's just sat in his house with his mistresses off his head knowing everything about everyone it's just, i sort of imagine him a bit like you know <laughs> Uh, Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. I've never seen it. That's how. Ah, oh, mate. Oh, sorry. I you imagine him like Jabba the Hutt. You know, young, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, young Marlon Brando, and then later in his life, yeah. Marlon Brando ballooned. Yeah. And famously, they had to film him in the sort of dark. Yeah. <laughs> with just a slip of his face in sight. That's sort of psychologically, mm. at least, how I imagine Jones. Yeah. Uh, at this point, there's yeah. So he's getting more and more erratic than mm -hmm. he's ever been before there's extraordinary accounts that even at the public meetings in the pavilion he's not just doing his normal routine of berating people and being a bit foul-mouthed yeah he'll drink he'll get naked he'll take a piss while he's on the stage he'll mm -hmm. run he'll you know we well, yeah, have famously he had a receptacle under his pulpit <sighs> he's just yeah completely lost the plot now that he's king of this strange little land yeah the punishments get worse so there's a, a young boy who's made to eat um slices of an extremely strong um native pepper as his punishment oh, no. that he's just made to sit there and eat it and eat it slice by slice there was another young person who was caught smoking a cigarette and so they were forced to smoke an entire cigar in front of everybody a 60-year-old woman was stripped naked and paraded around the pavilion. Two people, Sam, I don't know if you read this or saw this somewhere, were tied to poles out in the jungle and told that tigers would come and eat them and were left out for a day tied to poles in the jungle thinking that tigers were going to come and get them. Correct me if I'm wrong, tigers don't live there. <laughs> I believe that's the case. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but there were other jungle cats. Yes, <laughs> you love jungle cats. Um, there were yeah, other buses. <laughs> and swerve into the dark. There were regular beatings. People were taken out into the jungle, had guns held to their head. Yeah. Were then convinced that they'd been forgiven to go back in. Mm -hmm. Some people, moving on from the blue-eyed monster, were locked in the box, mm. which was a dark shipping container, and they were left in there for so long that they began to hallucinate. 
and become delirious. So all of that's going on. And still, if you're a repeat offender, if you talk about, I don't know, going home, if you worship God accidentally, maybe. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, I accidentally worship God, right? <laughs> Sam! The amount of time, listeners, we have to pause this podcast while Sam accidentally worships one deity <laughs> or another. Uh, you wouldn't That's believe it. <laughs> if you are seen to be acting capitalist, yeah, whatever that means when you're in a jungle nation of your own purchase, making, or... if you even say that you want to go home, yeah then you get assigned to not just a one-off punishment, but you'll be put into the learning crew. Because you need to learn. Again, it's another one of these fucking horrible pun nicknames. Yeah. Where you get to do all the worst, most menial jobs all day. Yeah. Every Your sort of free game for everyone else to mm-hmm. punish you and jeer at you and do whatever to you while you're doing those menial jobs. It's jungle clearing. It's clearing out the toilets cleaning the horrible overpopulated dormitories all the shitty jobs literally and if you decide that that's not great and you're not enjoying that experience no way then you can quite often be drugged and restrained yeah. for days yeah. as the final level of punishment in that mm-hmm. cycle it's completely insane yeah. i'm going to do a brief Happy story. Yay. Leon Broussard. Yeah. Broussard is one of the people that's been through the learning crew, having a horrible time. He escapes. Yes. From Jonestown. He gets to the police and he says, basically, it's a slave colony. They're doing all of this stuff. Ah. Yeah. Of course, they contact Jones and Jones isn't very happy about it. Goes, oh, yeah, he's just a drug. He's just a druggie, sorry. He's yeah. just, you just shouldn't listen to anything he says. But Jones does release his passport mm. and let him go. Yeah. And he's about the One last of, the of people to easily, yeah. spoiler alert, get out. Back in the States, the group that um, had previously started to protest against Jones have now set up an official group that they call the Concerned Relatives. And so they're lobbying the government for the return of John Victor Stone. You might remember that's Tim and Grace Stone's son for loss of property, for kidnapping their family members. Lots of women in Jonestown are sending letters to their family saying that they're married to the town's doctor, Larry Shaft. Um, And so these families are are getting a letter. Oh, it's okay because Maybell is married to the doctor. And then they go, yeah, but so is Jane. I can't. Why can't I think of names? They just. (laughs) Yeah. So they cross reference their letters and find that they're all talking shit. Mm. Tim gets in contact with Grace secretly on the sly uh, away from Jim Jones. I wish you could see this on the sly mime Sam. Yeah. Just imagine it. They're separated now romantically. They're divorced. But Tim still wants to make sure that John Victor is returned to his mother. Jones is ordered by the US court to give up John Victor by the 6th of October. So that means all these parents in Jonestown who thought they'd legally signed their children away, suddenly they go... Oh, I can I can have them back. Ooh. I don't have to leave my children with this person. Jim doesn't like this very much. No. He refuses to give John Victor back. And so Grace brings the fight to Georgetown. Fucking love Grace. Yeah, she is a, she is hero. a hero. Really goes to show what a mother will do to protect their child. Yeah. And so Jones is now ordered by Guiana to bring John Victor to Georgetown by the 8th 
of September. So on September the 7th, Jones gathers everybody together in the pavilion and tells them that there are armed troops coming to take all of the children away. Obviously total bullshit. But these people believe him, of yeah. course. They're all made <clears throat> to stand guard. Jim's shouting over his loudspeaker all night and then all day the following day. And then all night, the following night, they're all on high alert. And Jim goes, okay, well, we're all going to go and seek asylum in Cuba. And they're all like, no, fuck off. We're here. We're going to live here. This is what you said. This is where we are. Mm. So they he started chipping off some people. As there was a particular elderly lady was trying to climb up to a plane, she fell down and broke her hip. And so he went, ah, fuck it. Everyone just come back. And they all just came back and God. were to carry on. So he's now broken the his court order to return John Victor to Georgetown. And so on September the 10th, a warrant for Jim's arrest is issued. Jim tells Marceline everyone is prepared to die. Marceline is still in San Francisco. She tries to get him to calm down. Calm down, let everyone carry on, get back to work, take it easy. So this starts a real pattern of events and emergencies of this kind. One day... Sometime after this, you'll notice my timeline not as exact as Sam's. From the jungle towards West House, Jones's residence in Jonestown, there's a sudden breakout of gunfire. The emergency siren goes up, the calls go up, everybody has to assemble in the pavilion. They're yeah. under siege. Jones tells them, this time, guys, it's local mercenaries and they've come to kill us. Yeah. It's really bad. It's really awful. There's a curfew. People have to be ready to defend. Yeah. They are on high alert. And that runs for six days. Six days, they're told and imagining that mercenaries are literally sort of just outside, have already fired into the camp, are coming to kill them all. But in fact, believe it or not, Sam, the gun person was Jim Jones Jr. Yeah completely fabricated yeah jim made sure he was in the one safe spot of his house where if there was an accidental bullet stray it wouldn't hit him mm -hmm. all a complete elaborate deception and at the meeting jones casually almost suggests during this six-day siege that one of their options might be an act of revolutionary suicide mm -hmm. and in what seems like the sort of lamest weirdest public meeting ever he sort of goes so hands up anybody uh anybody fancy that and only two hands oh. go up at least this time mm -hmm. and that siege ends but this pattern of panic and lockdown does not they yeah. become known as as sam has already said the white Knights, so called because white people are bad, it's the bad white people who are coming to mm -hmm. get them, and that kind of drill and panic regularly starts to happen, yeah, in the camp. Now, Jones, so not only are these drills and sometimes supposedly real events happening where they're under panic, Jones is each time nudging it more towards the death option, yeah, and at this point, the one possible sort of outside influence the one possible person who might be able to moderate his behavior his mother lynetta who is here and living at yeah. jonestown which to me is utterly bonkers Why? i'd love to i just there's that sort of in all the telling there's that sort of gap of she's around and up through his childhood and then she sort yeah. of disappears 
but she's presumably in people's temple all the way yeah through and that's you know like there's being a proud parent isn't there and then there's she's like a proper stage mom isn't she <laughs> <laughs> there at the side clutching a handbag going isn't he doing well waving at him from the back of the room maybe so yeah in public she's a enthusiastic supporter of him and of people's temple in private supposedly she's the one person who's like no yeah no think twice about that hang on you need to stop that she's probably the person pushing all the few nice bits of him left because it was her sort of social with marceline as well who arrives in the october of that year to jonestown but then poor old lynetta dies yes there's nobody now really who can tell jim no and he holds a meeting after her death yeah about death where with little context, he just speculates about what the most interesting or useful ways to die are. Yeah. And he decides in that speech that it's drowning, because it's the thing I read or listened to somewhere. It's like he went, oh, because it's kind of calm and mm. peaceful, which I do not believe that is the case. No. And as you can imagine, all the people are going, what is this unprovoked conversation about how to die? Yeah. This is really uncomfortable. So as you can imagine, there's a bit of a sort of hush about why has this conversation about possible death uh, come up? Everyone's looking a bit tense. Mm -hmm. And Jim goes, oh, God, all of you people get so fucking nervous when I talk about death. And there's an old woman looking grumpy in front of him. And he goes, you'll die one day, you old bitch. Yeah. I think there are good reasons, Jim, why they (laughs) get worried whenever you talk about dying. Yeah. Because you are regularly during these white nights starting to suggest yeah mass suicide but how might you do that if only there was someone around to help yeah so in december in the december just a couple of weeks after lynetta's death he gets larry shacked the shitty doctor that they have to start researching poison so he's extraordinary because he again i'd never heard of him before i started doing the research for this 29 year old former meth addict yeah who people's temple have paid to go to medical school yeah to become a doctor and he rocks up with like straight out of medical school so he's got no practical in, experience in mexico as well so yeah there is a difference in at that time i'm sure it's much better now in the quality of training that was available in mexico to the quality that was available in the u.s so he was not a qualified doctor in the u.s he was qualified in mexico and he's already a little bit strange. People yep. think he's a bit of a loner, an outsider. He's supposedly depressed. Can understand that. Yeah. He's working 16 hours a day. He's taking Valium. And then Jones gives him an extra little task. Mm-hmm. Little mission. Just how how might we... Just totally... Yeah. Again, it's one of those things you go, God, what was that first conversation mm-hmm. like? Just yeah, um, how... So if, if we were just going to kill lots of bitches. just... No, no, no reason. Just, yeah. Just like as a thought. Just out of interest. Uh, how might we um go about that? <laughs> Words. Yep. Chilling. So he comes up with an answer. Ah, oh, that's convenient. A prescription, yeah. if you will. Um, <laughs> hardly fucking call it that. Prescription's supposed to help you. No, that's true. Um, he reckons that the best possible thing would be cyanide, and people notice that around this time, although they don't know those discussions. Yeah. Larry starts behaving even more erratically. Hmm. He's even more worried. He's starting to take Thorazine as well as Valium. What's Thorazine? Um, it's another 
Typo. Drag drag. I, didn't say that. I think it's similar in terms of like Valium and Thorazine. I think right. they're all like um numbing and calming and yeah. yeah yeah. And yeah, he yeah, he his behaviour becomes even more erratic. I have a note here with no other context, um, that he becomes notorious for giving prostate exams to male members who didn't need them. Oh, which is not what you want, especially when someone's on Valium and Thorazine at the same time. <laughs> Just dozily popping a finger up there. <laughs> so in February of 1978, they have a another white night happens where he does a full-on practice run, gets everyone to drink Flavor Aid. Everyone in the in the commune, some protest, but everyone passes this test. It's another fake out, but everyone passes, and so the following day. Uh, Larry Schacht is ordered to order some cyanide. He orders $8.85 worth of sodium cyanide. And that is enough. It's crazy, isn't it? Wow. It costs $8 plus whatever it cost on the flavour aid. Yeah. Scary. And it's just, again, it's so hard, isn't it, to put yourself in that headspace? Because that thing of, okay, not really being sure how real or not real it is. Yeah. Drink this. We're, you know, there's constantly been that vote of shall we commit suicide? The number of hands has slowly been growing each time they do it, which again is. I suppose is as your quality of life is terrifying. getting worse and worse, it might seem like a better option. If you do sort of think, of what's the only, es- yeah. the only escape? Mm. Um, oh, which uh, is pretty grim. Just um, a couple of big shivers. Ugh, um, there are armed guards yep. as part of that already, and there's a whole sort of ritual process, which I it's the thing of drinking it. We're going to go out and lie down in the field. Ugh. It's that rehearsal yeah. that I find just so chilling. So chilling. And, you it's know, horrible. just watch the sunset and say goodbye and Ugh. off we go. Genuinely, and then, I can't stop my back from like... <laughs> another thing that Jones then goes, oh, just joking. It was only practice. Well done, though. Well, well done. You You've proved yourself. It's all right. That was a fake out. Just, yeah. this, this one was fake. Mm-hmm. Members start to notice that Jim is being duplicitous. Because he's got nowhere to hide anymore. He can either be in West House or he can be out with them. He can't swan off somewhere else. Yeah. He he is literally always be being watched by his followers. Fine, hold him to fucking account. He's doing a shitty job. <laughs> there's another white night on April the 11th, but this time there's no poison. It's just abuse. He just abuses everybody, he threatens everybody, says if you don't do this, they'll shoot you. They've got all these guns. And there's loads of stuff about him, you know, at the end of these things, he's like having a whale of a time. He's laughing and clapping and going, mm-hmm. all right, go home, darlings. Haven't we had fun? Yeah. It's like totally psychotic at this point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just incomprehensible. The 10th of May, a, a representative from the US consulate, Richard McCoy, is sent there on inspection. So this is the first time they've been visited by a US official and he's shown the highlights. He's taken around... All those people. bananas. All those bananas. And the buses, no. <laughs> no buses no in buses. Jamestown, so. Um, so he's, you know, he's shown people who've been set up to tell them what Jones thinks that he should hear. Look how wonderful it is. Look at all the food we're growing. Look how happy we all are. Look at our lovely family. And he goes away thinking, yep, yeah, looks great. Blah. Fortunately, the families are not taking this lying down. No. They are endlessly campaigning. This is the concerned relatives. pushing, yeah. Yeah. And what's great at that point is that there are more and more defectors, mm-hmm. and the defectors are able to go, yep, you should all be really worried. 
this is really, you know, they're backing up their claims. So there's suddenly huge pressure. At which point, entering our story is... Leo Ryan? Congressman Leo Ryan. Now, Leo Ryan is so interesting because... Let me just flip back a couple of pages in my notes. Sorry for that page noise. So Leo Ryan was really one of those politicians that is really in it for the little guy. Yeah. He anonymously incarcerated himself in Folsom Prison to see what prison was like. Um, he he saved baby seals in Newfoundland. Oh, I didn't hear that story. Yeah. That's amazing. Just an all-round good guy. He's just this in, this crazy campaigner activist guy, always doing this, um, what's the word for it? Experimental legislating. Yeah. Which is a term I hadn't heard, which is if something's wrong, he will go in person, investigate it, yeah. and then work out what to do about God, it. Imagine is... if we have politicians like that now. Oh, How amazing. Instead, we have ones who don't oh, even realise that our Sorry. imports come in through a port. Oh, man. Um, the the way Leo Ryan got involved with, got interested toward, to People's Temple was, remember Bob Houston from the last episode who yep. died in the train track? Uh, Leo Ryan was a friend of Bob's father. So when Bob died, he got a little bit interested. He started keeping an eye out, um, but he's, you know, kept a little eye on them the whole time. He agrees that he's going to investigate People's Temple yep. and Jim Jones and... As is his style, he's going to do some experimental legislating. He believes that his congressional role will protect him from anything he's going to encounter. Yeah. And he's going to head to Jonestown on a fact-finding mission. Mm-hmm. And Jones gets to hear about this. Is he is he for that or against that? Hmm. He's not that happy. No. He thinks that instead of Leo Ryan visiting, they should all move to Russia. So it makes everyone start learning Russian. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> and it really, yeah, he really goes utterly bonkers at this point. There yeah. are even more white knights. He's talking about Leo Ryan and going, you know, we prefer death to this kind of harassment. I am that which they call God. Yeah. He's completely... Lost it now. There, there, are, there isn't it. a word, really, actually. That's why I'm having yeah. trouble. There isn't a word for just how fucked he is by this yeah. point. Jim goes as far as to... Ask Russia if they can all move there. And Russia goes, nah, don't want you. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Nyet. Nyet. Hey. That doesn't sound... A, a Russian <laughs> <word>. <laughs> what a treat. So um, people are starting to really try and defect. Other people are sent after them. They're all brought back. Casually, Jonestown has a basketball team. It's just a little diversion here. You just want to be very funny. No, it's uh, no, they definitely do. Yeah. Um. And on the first of November, the the basketball team are sent to Georgetown for a few weeks, and that includes Jim's son Stefan and Jim Jones Jr. On this team, sent to Georgetown for a little while. So there's been a bit of back and forth between Jones and Ryan, and Jones sort of tries everything to prevent him, to discourage him from coming. Yeah. He's getting more and more paranoid. I just randomly in my notes at this point, I have arranges for 20 people to be sedated lest they leave. Yeah. So again, he's sort of going nuts, but Ryan is persistent. Ryan says, no, I'm going to come. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to bring some staff. I'm going to bring some reporters. He brings nine journalists and basically a plane load of the concerned relatives come with him as well to try and get their family back. Oh, yeah. It's so fucking sad, isn't it? It oh, is. get ready, everybody. Meanwhile, Jones is talking to his people about this. We've been debating about dying. 
I've been trying to give my life away for a long time. And if that fucker wants to take it, he can have it. Mm -hmm. But we'll have a hell of a time going together. Which brings us to November 15th, when a plane containing Ryan and journalists flies overhead towards the Jonestown airstrip. Now, as they do it for some technical reason i think they can't just land straight away so they do an extra loop Mm -hmm. around and over jonestown and at that point everybody on board realizes how big yeah jonestown is that it's a huge full in town which Mm -hmm. and this is not suspicious at all has only one road in and out yeah and they land but the um guianese military were there doing another exercise so he couldn't he couldn't do that in front of them so he had to allow Ryan's plane to land. So there's two small planes that arrive, an otter and something else. I just remember the otter. No otters, just two planes. <laughs> so two planes arrive at the airstrip. Marceline convinces Jim to let, let Ryan in. So Ryan is greeted by Marceline, and 90 minutes later, Jim arrives. Journalists are allowed to interview members. So they have these really good first impressions as Marceline takes them around. They see people playing. Yeah. That's lovely. They come to another scene of people eating and hanging out. That seems lovely. Yeah. Um, I was laughing that you'd said scene, but it is. That's exactly what it is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I think there's sort of a sense retrospectively that they go, oh, it seemed really happy. But now we look back, it did feel a bit forced, forced and a bit. Yeah. And they sort of go, wow, this is really impressive. You guys have built a whole community out here yeah um there's this big welcome dinner people are very positive when they're being interviewed Mm -hmm. there's a wonderful clip of ryan at that dinner saying i came here because families had told me everything was bad but looking around i see happy people i think you're doing well yeah yeah there are some people here who believe this is the best thing that ever happened in their lives and there's this huge standing ovation for him and for him saying that and people are uh, whooping and hollering they've also as this they put on a big sort of song and dance event for him so yeah. people are dancing and singing the uh <laughs> i've written here this was organized for his arrival by the entertainment committee and then next to that i've written that's a tough gig in jonestown oh. <laughs> being on the jonestown yeah. entertainment committee oh, man. planning your panto while there's a white night going on. yeah it's mm. just not a good at one point jones who sort of had a couple of soft encounters with Ryan, brings yeah. a child over to him. The child looks upset, but is smiling. It's John Victor. Aww. And he passes him um, on and round. They hear via the radio that the basketball team has just won their game in yeah. Georgetown. So again, it's like, not only are we having a great time here, look, our basketball. It just seems like this incredibly happy, wonderful thing. As they're going around, Ryan and the journalists have a little card. Mm-hmm. which they'll hold up to people. And on that little bit of printed card, it says, nod if you want to leave. Yeah. And at this point, nobody nods their head. Everyone's just head still. Yeah. That's really great podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> great. Um, but then... Some of the journalists suddenly start to receive notes that have been surreptitiously handed to them by Jonestown members saying, this is all fake. We want to go. And it's terrible, that that first one, the Gosney one, he hands the note, drops it, has to pick it up and go to to the NBC journalist, to um, Harris. Um, Oh, it looks like you dropped something. And a little child goes, oh, look. Look, they're handing notes. 
God, it's foul, isn't it? Yeah. So suddenly the illusion is a little bit broken for mm-hmm. Ryan and his team, and they know that the next day they're going to have to do more interviews. And at this point, more journalists arrive as well. I think the second part of the media yeah. entourage arrive. Mm-hmm. There's another tour with Marceline. Yeah. And this time they really do go, this just feels like... Now they've seen the notes. Yeah, this just feels a bit false. Sour. A bit. They start to notice the crowded bunks. They start to see that the living conditions aren't so good. Yeah. Harris, who's had this particular note from Vernon Gosney, help us get out of Jonestown, asks Jones about it. Like... You understand, but you also think, like, what a fucking dick. Because you're going to be leaving them there, and you've just dropped this guy in it. Yeah, yeah, it's really... How couldn't you think... Um, scary. That? Yeah. At which point, the Parks family come up and go, um, uh, we we quite like to leave, actually. Yeah. And um, as they interview Jones about the guards, about the guns, there's a thing I noticed when I was reading today, that so there were a couple of guard towers... Yeah. And the journalists that went there afterwards went, well, the thing we noticed was they weren't near the roads or the entrances. Mm-hmm. The guard towers were over the residential cottages. Oh, and although they painted, like, beautiful sun beach scenes yeah. on them, they were scary gun ta- guard towers. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So gradually, more and more people start to come up and go, um, I think I might want to go, actually. Mm-hmm. So that by 3pm, 14 people have said... We want to go. Yeah. By 3 p.m., 14 people have said they want to go. Yeah. Um, they get on a truck to go. They're heckled by the other people from People's Temple uh, yeah. who sort of say, keep your mouth shut. What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Mm-hmm. And it's really sad. One of the men that wants to leave at that point, he's got a mixed race son. So he's white, but his son is mixed race. And he leaves him behind oh. because he thinks he will be safer there because of all the racism Jones has yeah. been telling them is happening in the States, which is just heartbreaking. The team weren't particularly prepared for that number of people straight no. away to want to go and the sort of what feels like a bit of urgency to it. So they ask for a second plane. Yeah, Ryan radios over to Georgetown. So come help us send another plane out. We've got some more people who want to come. Everyone seems happy about it. Yeah, cool, we'll do that. And they say, well, we can do that, but tomorrow. Yeah. So they've got to stay for another night. Mm -hmm. And at this point, Gosney, who handed the note, tells Ryan, if you stay here, you're in danger. So Ryan Ryan and his, not his entourage, but Ryan and his companions in this journey, the other people he's there with, leave for for the evening. They go away. They stay in a, I assume, lovely hotel in Georgetown. Let's say it's lovely. Why not? They deserve that. And then in the morning they return. So now here we are. It's dawn on the 18th of November 1978. Nine settlers wake up and escape into the jungle. They run. They feel something's going wrong. They leave. They run away. They meet two more people in the jungle and go, oh my God, uh, we weren't really running away. And then the other two people were like, oh no, we We were. (laughs) We weren't running away either. And they go, were you running away? Yes, and so they all go together. So there's 11 people initially escaped that morning. Members are sent, you know, they come out of their cottages for breakfast and then sent immediately back inside. The reporters and Leo Ryan have returned. They're escorted around the town again by Marceline. Poor old Marceline. Like, that tour guide for Jonestown is one of the worst tour guiding jobs (laughs) of all time. Yeah, worse than Bath. Much worse than (laughs) Bath. I had a lovely time tour guiding. Just, sorry, I'm just... 
I'm desperately trying to put some humour in listeners yeah. before we get there. Just her going around with like an umbrella now. And doing <laughs> this that. is where you meet for the tour. <laughs> At noon of uh, the 18th, Jim appears out of his house. He's told about these people who've left in the morning. He's told that there are even more who want to leave. And then a storm starts. The weather turns. It all gets a bit shitty outside. Ryan asks Jim for the passports for all the people who want to leave and is given them. And in my notes here, now it says, now all the fuckery starts. <laughs> the visitors, the defectors, they're all ready to leave. There's a particular family. The mother's name is Bonnie. Bonnie's children are taken. And uh, there's a, the famous... There's a famous picture of her reaching for her children as they're being taken away. Larry Layton, remember Larry Layton, gets on the truck with them. And everyone's like, oh, but Larry's really faithful to Jim. So they're all gathering together. They're planning this uh, departure that's Uh going to happen. And while they're all together, out of the crowd steps Don Sly, who's an ex-Marine and also has the perfect villain name for our story. Yeah. And... He's walking up behind Ryan mm-hmm. while Ryan's talking to somebody. And Reports say that he's sort of weeping yeah. as he walks towards him. And he pulls out a knife, Ugh. holds a knife to his throat and says, Motherfucker, you're going to die. Ugh. At that point, he's grabbed by other People's Temple people and yep. by journalists. He's hauled off. Ryan is okay. Including Tim Carter, who's one of the survivors that we see in documentaries and everything like that. <sighs> and at that point... Although they were sort of having a not a leisurely pace, but they had a bit of time. Ryan goes, no, okay, we leave no. right now. Then yep. you cannot fuck around anymore. We've got to go. So this truck is on the way to the airstrip, and then seven or eight armed men are sent behind them in a tractor. So the people in the truck don't necessarily know that that's happening, but they are being followed. Meanwhile, heartbreaking of all things, the planes are late. Yep. So they're waiting for a long time to get on board. And while they're waiting, Larry Layton, loyal to Joan, why has he come here, is sat staring at them. So when the two planes arrived, it was a 19-seat otter. <laughs> Makes me think of like the cat bus in my neighbourhood. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining yeah. as well. And the five-seat Cessna plane. There are 33 people waiting to get on 24 seats on the planes. So they start boarding and then the tractor that was following behind comes up the airstrip. Um, So they start boarding the plane. Larry's made a big deal about having to be one of the people that gets on first. Again, they think that's kind of suspicious to the point where Ryan searches him, pats him down for any weapons and goes, no, you're all right, mate. On Mm. you go sits him on the plane while everyone else is waiting outside. Plane starts its engine at 5.20, and sort of as that happens inside the plane, Larry did have a gun, a thirty-eight revolver. Yeah. And he shoots. Shoots the pilot, starts shooting passengers. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, outside, the truck that had pulled up with a trailer, out of the trailer appear more people with guns. Yeah. And they start firing at the people waiting on the runway. So this is when Leo Ryan is shot. Some of the media that are there are also shot. Five people run into the jungle to hide. Including Tim Reitman. Yeah. Who wrote Raven, the incredible book that I've just been reading, Raven. The otter plane is basically completely annihilated. It's useless. They've shot all the fuselage. They can't use it. The Cessna pilot, who was shot by Larry Layton, wasn't killed he was injured and was able to take off 
and it only had kind of three people on board and we, it, they just got out. Some of the other people who were trying to leave were hiding in the otter. They restrained Larry Layton and the, the other people who were hiding in the jungle just kind of go, we need to just try and survive here until tomorrow. Mm. It'll be over. <sighs> Meanwhile, <laughs> yeah, back in Jonestown, they've had this huge, sudden, torrential, dark, ominous... It genuinely is like something out of a horror film, isn't it? I, my yeah. mind still can't get over as as this terrible plan goes into action, the weather really puts on a show for it. Mm-hmm. And while this has been going on, at around the same kind of time, coincidentally, I'm sure, Jim Jones commands a white knight. Yes. So the information I have about this comes from Tim Carter's memories of it, because he was there. He was there on the day, and he overhears jones and his inner circle talking and he can overhear there must be another way is there a way to make it taste less bitter so they gather together in the pavilion and the tape recorder as you might imagine snaps on and a woman sings a song about being a freedom fighter that's the first thing that happens again the entertainment committee really yeah pulling out all the stops and jim starts to talk and rand- ramble at them this is the You'll almost certainly have heard this famous uh, bit of him talking. How very much I've loved you. How very much I've tried to give you the good life. And he tells them that he thinks something's going to happen with Ryan on the airstrip. Mm -hmm. You know, he says uh, he predicts something's going to happen. He predicts someone's going to shoot the pilot. You know, he's not saying he wants it to happen. Yeah. He's just saying this, you know, it's another one of his prophecies. Mm hmm. He's got this incredible sight that something bad is going to go down. And if that means that they're going to be in trouble, if we can't live in peace, let's die in peace. We've been so betrayed. If this project here in Jonestown only worked one day, it's been worthwhile. Yeah. Someone's going to shoot the pilot. I didn't plan it, but I know it's going to happen. Uh Makes a big deal about what's going to happen that, you know, if we do what's going to happen now is that, People are going to come and, and get our children and get our elderly. Yeah. The truck comes back with the gunmen. They whisper into his ear and he tells them, the congressman has been murdered. It's all over. Yeah. And it's weird because you and listeners, should you and we strongly recommend you don't. No. You can listen to this. Uh, tape but... Q042. Both of us have listened. Um, otherwise known as the death tape, this 40 minutes is recorded for posterity. I listened while I was finishing my notes, and at the end, I stopped, I cried, and I went and cuddled my boyfriend. It's silently. just... I, it's unbelievably sad, and it's, it's such a private moment. It yeah. feels very intrusive to listen to it as well, to me. And it's kind of surreal... Because once they get this announcement that Ryan's been shot, he kind of goes, oh, well, we're going to be in trouble now. Yeah. But um, and no, I didn't know anything about it. But the Red Brigade have dealt justice to him when Mm -hmm. he was going to take our children from us. And isn't that good? And who of you are going to say that, you know, own up to who it was? Because I I don't know who did it. I don't know anything about it. But I know that they did it because they are the Red Brigade protecting us. And we have to. It's really horrendous and he says you know otherwise they're going to come they're going to torture our children 
They're going to torture our seniors. And he says, gives out the instruction, get us some medication. Get moving quickly. At which point a big steel drum comes out. There are 100 paper cups and syringes. Yeah. And good old Dr. Shaft away. So during this chaos, some people try and appeal to Jim. Tim Carter specifically goes and says to him, is there another way? Is there something we can do? And he says, okay, you go with Maria. And so Maria takes Tim Carter and his brother to the radio hut. They're both given a suitcase of gold and told to take it to the Soviet embassy. And they've got money in dollars and yep. money in Guyana currency yep. and all, yeah, like a huge amount of resource. So they go and they prepare for the, the trip to Georgetown. <sighs> Good old Dr. Shaft. Shaft? Shaft. 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 I'm not going to get his name right. He was a fucking dick. No, yeah, prick. Don't as far as I'm concerned, he's as bad as Jones. He should be called Dr. Shaft because he's a proper shaft. Yeah. Um, but now I'm imagining popular TV detective shaft, shaft. <laughs> and that's not helpful at all. So they're filling this uh, steel drum uh, with the grape flavour, but also various poisons and medications. So in goes potassium cyanide, in goes Valium, in goes oanalindrate, in goes potassium chloride, and it turns into this dark, horrible bitter foul smelling smelly mixture liquid yeah but jones goes this is what we're doing it's not suicide it's a revolutionary act yeah enter another oh. heartbreaking hero in the story christine miller she's pretty much the only dissenting voice at this point mm-hmm. she's this incredible 60 year old woman yeah and she says is it too late to escape to russia and Jones goes, oh, it's great that you're asking questions, Christine, but no. Yeah, too late for it's Russia. It's great that you're here, but no, that's not it. Suicide is the only possible thing. And she just keeps arguing with him. No matter yeah. what he says, no matter how firm, she just keeps going and keeps... The fucking bravery at that point. There are armed guards around, remember? Yeah. They're literally brewing death poison in the middle of this pavilion. Yeah. And she keeps fighting and arguing with him but pretty soon on the tape she's sort of drowned out yeah by everybody else and this pandemonium that's kicking off so it's kind of horrible already but this is the point now listeners that it's going to get nasty and dark and so extraordinarily sad so now jim decides that the first to die should be the children Babies and the children and the first, and it breaks my heart that we don't know who this person was, I don't think. The first person to do this is a woman in her 20s. She has a one-year-old baby and calmly and collectedly she walks up, takes a syringe, uses the syringe to put it into her baby's mouth, Mm -hmm. drinks some herself, walks out like they did in all those rehearsals, out to the field, sits down holds the baby as the baby starts to cry and scream. Uh, Tim Carter preparing to go to Georgetown, sorry, both of us having a little cry, uh, walks into the pavilion to see a nurse putting a syringe of poison into his 15-month-old son's mouth. Uh, The babies start foaming at the mouth. 
They're screaming, they're crying, they're convulsing. And if you listen to the tape, that is all audible on there. Um, Maria's there going, oh, it's just because it tastes a bit bitter. They're fine, but parents are really starting to feel like this isn't okay. So the armed guards take the babies off the parents, take them to the vat, and the nurses use the syringes. Yeah. And then they move on to the children. Marceline is in the background saying, you can't do this. You can't do this. And there's a very famous clip of Jim saying, mother, 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 please, mother, please. And all the time he's going, don't be afraid, just relax. This is going to be revolutionary um, suicide. Tim Carter is now outside holding his wife, who's also drunk the poison there's and as his wife and child die he leaves yeah and he says that you know the last thing that i said to her was i was just saying i love you i love you i love you because what else could i say so at this point suddenly everyone goes oh this isn't a drill yeah this is it there are bodies being dragged out there's a 12 year old girl who keeps spitting the mixture out so they hold her down they force her to drink it and the guards and the whole time jim's kind of narrating it over his speaker and it's again it's all this you know lay down your life with dignity stop it's like scolding them not to react in the way that they are Mm -hmm. um so within two hours of the meeting being called all the children have been murdered they didn't commit revolutionary suicide, did they? They were, they were murdered. Well, that's the Tim. I've, I've got it here. The Tim yeah. Carter quote is, "I won't hear from anyone that they were that it was suicide. They were fucking slaughtered." And part of the reason we know that, again, it's fairly apparent on the um, tape, but they were just then forcibly injecting people, yeah, left, right, and centre. Poor old Christine Miller, yeah, was held down and forcibly uh, injected, and they. The members that were in Georgetown were not completely exempt. There was a particular member who gathered four of her children and murdered them and then killed herself. So Sharon Amos has been working in the Georgia HQ. She's been sent a coded message yeah. saying that's what we should do. So she takes some knives, takes them into the bathroom. They're gone. They're taking the bodies outside. They're laying them face down so that the people who are still alive can't see their faces. Mm-hmm. And they start trying to arrange them as if they're cradling each other, trying to make it look nice. Yeah. But pretty soon there are too many bodies for them to do that. So they end up just... Laying them on top of each other. Piling people. The doctor's going around with a stethoscope, making sure no one's faking being dead. Jones is still talking and rambling. They're playing music. Mm-hmm. And thank God... That's the end of the tape. Yeah. That's the 40 minutes. Jones turns off the recorder, sat on his fucking throne, Mm. surrounded by 900 plus people, 300 of which are children. So. Oh, just a little moment of quiet to process all that. Fucking hell. So we just had a little break while we uh, finished crying. Everybody at Jonestown has been murdered in one way or another the Guianan troops when they eventually go and find it find that not everyone has been killed by poison some people have been shot some people have been shot and are further towards the edges of the commune 
Jim Jones is also dead now. Both he and Mr. Muggs were killed by gunshot. And it's one of the mysteries of Jonestown is like, did was that his choice? Because he saw that method that he'd put into place and went, no, that's not for me. I don't want to die like that. Was, I think so. Had I that been the plan all along? I, I think that's probably it. Yeah. Or was he shot by somebody else? But I, I'm just going to say, Sam, what was in my notes, which we shared earlier. Um, when I was writing about, did he see what he'd done to everyone else? I'm like, no, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to choose again. Just write fucking cunt. Yeah. It's so... Not that it would be any better if he'd done it as well, but like no. that he gets a clean out is... So um, pretty grim. 40 years ago, last month, 914 people lost their lives. The, before 9-11, it was the largest death of civilians, the largest number of civilian death by unnatural causes. Which is just... Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, again, it's weird in that this is an event that is so catalogued in that, you know, you can see all the photos and film footage yeah. of just these incredible piles of bodies 6 p.m that night the plane lands monica bagby is one of the people that gets out with two shots in the back yeah. and she tells them everything that happened that ryan is dead etc etc yeah. but at that point they can't get a plane out that no. night they're gonna go in the morning meanwhile Back on the airstrip, there are still people that survive. Jackie Spear is lying on the airstrip, trying to call out to people to see if anybody else is alive. Yeah. The five people who'd hidden in the jungle are also still alive and waiting there until they feel it's safe. And we move into the next day when the first... I was going to say rescue plane, but I think they weren't expecting any survivors you get the impression they're kind no. of surprised when they get there and they have to very quickly try and airlift people out to they've um, been told Georgetown. there were they've yeah. been told there were bodies everywhere as the the defense troops entered jonestown a door opened and a lady named hyacinth oh. had been asleep through the whole night and she woke up as she normally would to find everybody yeah. dead the night before, they'd seen her and assumed she'd died already. Yeah. And she was just asleep. I mean, that's incredible, because that, the, 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 the version that I read was that she wasn't very well. Mm -hmm. And basically that night, when he did the call, come to the pavilion, she went, yeah, oh, fuck that shit. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Which is just extraordinary. Um, Some of those people that have come out, that sorry, I'm going to do my gross fact again. Yeah. So some of those people that have been in the um jungle are lost for three days wandering oh, around man. when they're eventually found they're delirious they've got maggots in their bullet wounds that they're still going around with but they survive they are part of the batch of people that get through the troops count 383 bodies when they arrive and then discover that the reason they can only find 383 is because they're stacked up yeah that's the that's the the, oh. the one of the grossest things I think when I was reading it, it was yeah. just oh god, where are these other four hundred people? Underneath. Oh, the piles are just that. Here's um, something really fucking disgusting that I don't know if you want to leave in or not. That when U.S. troops go to help clear the bodies, some of them that have been buried underneath are so decomposed they have to use snow shovels 
to recover the remains. Jesus. The basketball team, remember I said about them before? They've all survived. They were in Georgetown. They remained there. So two of Jones's sons mm. survived the ordeal. And Jim Jones Jr. is in loads of documentaries about it, talking, you know, yeah. critically. About and actually this year in the most recent ones, yes. um, Stefan has been as well. Has he? There's an amazing quote from him somewhere about about that thing of judging the the people who t- who you know were part of that mm-hmm. uh, massacre and and asking people to think you know what what are the circumstances yeah where you would follow someone and go along to that run and really think about what those things would be because we're all susceptible to it of and... course we are but it, this this is where my notes end. At the end of my notes, hold on, let me find it. Uh, Listen to the tape. Couldn't fucking do any more. Getting gin is how my notes ended. I'm done now. I can't. Yeah, I think we've we've said, you know, this, you know, we talked, I think in back in the first episode, I said, you know, this is probably the first one that I really heard about that I was like, yeah, that's interesting. That's whatever, you know, we all at some point, I know I have, have used the fucking drink the Kool-Aid thing which i don't think actually having gone through this now i will ever say in jest no we don't. this has been weird listeners yeah. of all the ones we've done up to this point i feel like this is the one where and i'm not trying to be trite in comparison to those horrific experiences i hope although we try and keep things light at times it's clear that we have nothing but respect for the memories of those people and those victims yeah and you know, part of the reason we want to talk about these things is because we want to try and get our heads around it and think about how Absolutely. How we avoid those kind of things. But oh, I'm losing my train of thought even as I go through it. Um, but, you know, it particularly the, the in the first set of recordings, it really felt like we've just been living with this guy and this event and this way of doing it. And yeah. it's been pretty bleak. Yeah, it's, pr- it, it's the most intense. And like you said, it, the susceptibility thing. It goes to show that no one is too clever to be inducted into a cult. 918 people killed. You know, they they can't all be gullible. No, no. And also that thing of, you know, in that final thing, I think there probably were people that were like, I just, what, what do I, this is, just, it's a way out. It's a way out as well as that, you know, the people who were obviously clearly murdered because they were held down and forcibly ejected and all of that kind of yeah i just sorry i just had a really clear image in my head of him just sat amongst all the fucking carnage and dead bodies yeah um it's over i hate him so much i hate him so much this is it rest in shit jim jones and it's so it's so awful because again you look at all the promise of that all the you know all the the potential good yeah all the integration all the sort of political campaign and stuff all the good yeah you know they're Assuming that wasn't completely forced and psychopathic on his part at any point, but there was, was good the there. There were good. good people were brought together to do a, 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 you know, to potentially build an amazing thing. Yeah. And for it to become what it has is indescribably unfair and horrific and awful. And I think, you know, has become a big, you know, there's a reason we're still talking about it as much as we are. Yeah. Particularly in this year. By, by all means, if you're, if you can bear it, yeah. do go. Uh, Raven by Tim Reiterman, who was there and survived. Wow. Is an extraordinary book. Incredible detail. The book that you read. The Road to Jonestown by Jeff Gwynn. 
um, is a is a really fantastic depiction of it. It's a very well collated from survivor's testimony and etc. Yeah. I think the thing for me that makes this obviously it's it's all deeply deeply sad, but the fact that there will never be justice for those people and for those deaths and for those families. Yes. There will never, you know, Jim Jim Jones is dead. Yeah. He completed his task what he was what he wanted to do yeah yeah it and it's only so wrong that you know larry to... layton is the only conviction because yeah. he gets quite rightly yeah. um a Absolutely. murder conviction but otherwise he's been released from prison by the way sam did you know that oh great is he released uh 2002, 2002. so if you're listening to this fuck off yeah there's a, 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 a should we keep going bleak so obviously then there were lots of bodies some of them weren't able to be identified no some uh, were identified some people couldn't afford to pay for their to reclaim their relations bodies and have them buried yeah some people didn't want to have their family members bodies back because of the shit and i think we forget now because it's now treated with much more sensitivity yeah that there was a real sense at the time of look at these fucking nutters and what they've done in the you know, there's a reason Kool-Aid has become a joke because of that kind of initial vibe yeah. and, and shame and people just didn't didn't collect bodies. A large number of them are buried at Evergreen Cemetery in Oakland, California. And all that remains at the Jonestown site is a small memorial and some shells of vehicles that were left. Everything else has been reclaimed by the jungle. Which I think is probably the right... Absolutely, yeah. Um, Otherwise, it'd be a monument. The right it? move. Um, it's weird with the one in Oakland. So they do an annual uh, memorial there. Yeah. Um, it's one of the sort of places that survivors and people do still sort of gather, but um, it's always controversial because Jim and Marceline were cremated and scattered on the ocean, I think, mm-hmm. by their family members. But his name's on the memorial. And it doesn't deserve to be there. <sighs> yeah, you can kind of see why. But it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just incredible. And it really feels, you know, it's such a weird... I hadn't really appreciated how strong the socialism strand is. Yeah. Um, it's it's easy to see it as a, a religious cult, isn't it? But it's very much a political one. Yeah. Even more so than it is. Yeah. And it's also, I think, you know, of all of them, it's the one where you really go, oh, it's just this guy's brain yeah. enacted in the real... You know, it's not like other cults where it's sort of a version of somebody else's thing. By the end, it's so far from its sort of Christian origins that yeah. it is just the hellscape of his mind um, in action. Um, I was going to try and lighten things up with some conspiracy theory, which now I'm thinking about it actually feels sort of disrespectful. But recently there have been some, you know, there are a few questions about whether um, it was slightly CIA influenced <laughs> to try and discredit anyone who was claiming to be a socialist just because they go well how did he get to brazil and how did he that's all of this kind of stuff but i yeah i think it probably is i'm not going to give it much more truck than that you can look that up out and around but it's yeah yeah it's just you know it's an incredible exercise in empathy to think about it because you really have to as outrageous as it is you can sort of see how people went along and it's the same sort of thing they say about the holocaust of like it's you see people making like just okay well if i just do this one thing then i'll be safe yeah if i just do this one thing i'll be safe and that just moves you further and further and further down that and we know that's in jim's you know he studied Studied from the worst yeah to do that and it's amazing the other groups that we've talked about so much of how they operate you know it's it's all in 
it's all in this. He he wrote the blueprint for the more all cults to come yeah. from that. And had and had taken all the best blueprints from the cults before him and so yeah. and all those what yeah, as you say again, it's just all those warning signs and moments where you go, Oh, just if something had happened at that moment If one person had been brave well, not brave enough. If one person had been there to say, No, this isn't right, if one person had his ear and could have done that. But I mean, yeah, you don't know but what by the end he's so shut away, you know. That... Yeah. If he'd have just had a heart attack. You yeah. know, he was so unhealthy. Yeah. If he'd have just... <sighs> Sam, we made it. Oh, listeners, we made it. If you've stayed with us this far, thank you so much for listening. We hope we haven't bummed you out too much. I'm sure we have. As best we can in a small, largely insignificant uh, podcast, whatever value there is in us talking about this and trying to understand it. Yeah. Um, we hope there is some and, and would dedicate that to the memory of those 900 plus um, people who should be remembered and and empathised with because they were people that wanted to make a better world yeah and were doing their best to do that in incredible circumstances so this is the end this is the end no more Jonestown we hope you've had a lovely end of 2018 we'll see you back in 2019 with a return to our regular format where we will research one hopefully very stupid group that doesn't mass murder. Yeah, let's do a couple of murder-free ones. We'll do yeah. like we'll treat you listeners to like two murder-free. Yes, I'm sure we can find them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will. And um, thank you very much. We'd love to know what you think. We'd love to know your own reflections on Jonestown. If yeah. you're listening and you have, if there's anything you think we've. I mean, undoubtedly, there's stuff we've missed. There's yeah. so, as I'm looking at my years, notes now, yeah. I'm thinking of stories that we could have told. But do have a conversation with us. Do let us know yeah. things that you know or that you've read uh, or that you're that strike you. Let us know how you found these episodes as well. Yes, um, we'd love to know. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a little review on iTunes. I know every podcast says this and it's really boring, but it really does help us out. It just really helps make us more visible. If you can do a star rating and a review, supposedly that really just will make us much more visible so that other people yeah. like your good selves can find us and you know share us and tweet us and facebook us mm, yeah. and all of that good yeah. stuff you can email us at coffee and cults at gmail.com or contact us on your preferred social media platform at coffee and cults if you'd like to buy us a one-off coffee or a cheap alcoholic drink to help us get over this telling the story of uh, Jonestown you can do that at coffee k-o-f-i uh, dot com and find us coffee and cults you can give us a one-off donate small donation um, I think it's about three dollars two quid two fifty in British money um, other currencies are available <laughs> I'm not just going to list them all now no. um, if you'd like to support us more regularly um, and afford us the opportunity to do more episodes and to do more interesting things you can do that at patreon.com and again find coffee and cults there will be bonus material and bonus episodes on there otherwise thank you very much happy new year happy new year we'll see you next time we love you love you bye, bye. we're going to talk to you you are the initiate you are the cause we found out that i was actually getting a two-inch-by-two-inch two inch brand with a colorizing hand. We no longer under the law of Moses. The world is eating stuff with violence, and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. <sighs>